We're in the middle of a series on the foundations of our faith, which is an overview of what we believe as Christians. Coming towards the end of it, and today's is on the subject of the Christian life. Like I've got to cover the Christian life in half an hour. Uh, So that's one of the problems that we have. Uh, But actually, the last four Sundays have been kind of in this area, because... um, Four Sundays ago, Anne spoke about God as Father and about forgiveness. And then three Sundays ago, I spoke about God's love for us and receiving God's love for us. And then two Sundays ago, Daryl Daff spoke on suffering. And last Sunday, Braden spoke on being uh, doers of the words and not only hearers. So those are all in the area of the Christian life. But an added problem that I have today, trying to cover the Christian life in half an hour, is that I like to do what's called expository preaching. What that means is that rather than me giving you my thoughts about a subject, I want the scriptures to to speak to about the subject. I want to take a passage of scripture and show that the message is coming from that, not from me. I mean, anybody can pick, can cherry pick a whole load of verses to prove any point they want to. But if I take a passage of scripture and show you this is what the scripture is saying, then it has that authority and not my authority. So I have to find a passage of scripture which covers the Christian life. Well, thankfully, I do have one that I'm actually very satisfied with. It doesn't cover everything, but it covers really, I think, some of the core things I want to speak about today. And we're going to be looking at that. So first of all, my goal is that we would clearly understand Jesus' design for our Christian life, our destiny, and how we get there. And we're going to be looking at seven parts to this design that Jesus has for us. So I'm going to show you a video clip now. And we're going to take a moment to switch over the sound for it. This video clip is, uh, it's not a Christian speaking, it's a, it's a design conference. But he says something quite interesting. There are two things that I want you to notice about this video. First, how he gets applause when he says negative things about the church. See how he gets applause when he says negative things about the church. The second thing is that he's actually making an important point overall. I find design principles in general absolutely fascinating. So design principle is essentially a, a belief, a tenet, a sort of core principle around which you base something, around which you build a thing, essentially. Right? Any, any sort of human endeavor probably has a design principle or a series of design principles at the heart of it. And, and there are examples throughout history of design principles behind human endeavor. A um, couple of examples. Uh, in America, the Declaration of Independence is effectively a series of design principles for a society. There are many examples. This is just, just one. And you can see that the watchwords there being life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, right? Um, uh, going back even further, similar to the Karl Marx principle, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's from the, the Nazarene Jew named Jesus Christ from approximately 30 AD. Uh, he ended up inadvertently forming a religion that's theoretically based around this design principle, but has kind of been caught up in bureaucracy, and uh, as, as tends to happen with, with a lot of these things, it's, it's kind of got, it's kind of drifted. Um, Okay, um, 
couple of things um, about that video. So he talks about design principles and the importance of having something that's there as a basic principle so you know where you're going. And you've got something to base things on, a foundation, which I, I think it's, it's really good. That's a really good point. Uh, what do you think about his statement that, um, uh, first of all, he says um, that um, Jesus inadvertently founded a church? What do you think about that? Kind of well, well commented about it, but it's, <laughs> I think Jesus was pretty intentional about that. The second point that he made, um, uh, that, um, that Jesus' principle got caught up in bureaucracy and kind of drifted. Is that true? Well, unfortunately, it has been very true in many areas. Not completely true, but much of the church in history has lost sight of that core principle that Jesus had, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And so that's got some validity. But let's challenge what he said about Jesus intending to form a church. Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That sounds pretty intentional to me. Does it to you? So this is Jesus' uh, statement, Jesus' Jesus' founding of the church, founding of Christianity. Um, So if we... We're going to talk about design principles today. It's something you nail to the wall and use to guide all your decisions. And what I'm going to try and do today is give us Jesus' founding principles for the Christian life. That we, there's, that's what we nail to the wall and this is who we are. Um, if we all agree on these principles, these can keep us on track and help us resolve differences. And Jesus, otherwise, things will just drift. So uh, I want to start off then with Jesus' design for the Christian life. Uh, The very first one is believe and be baptized. Jesus said that in the quote we just read from Matthew 28. Believe and be baptized. That is entrance into the Christian life. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on baptism right here. We've got a a baptism coming up in a month's time, and we're going to be looking forward to that. But we have um, baptism. I just want to say it's two parts. It's an outside part and an inside part. The outside part is you're clearly identifying yourself as part of the Christian community. You're baptized into the body of believers. And so it's very important that we are baptized that we declare this as a proclamation of who we are. And in the New Testament times, this could have brought persecution or even death on someone to be baptized because it was identifying them as Christian, as is true in some parts of the world today. Inside, baptism inside, you're showing Jesus your commitment. You're symbolically reenacting your unity with him in his death and his resurrection. Two things we do in 
the church to do this. One we just did earlier, symbolically reenacting Jesus' death and resurrection. Baptism is similar. Baptism, we're uniting ourselves with Jesus symbolically in that. So that's the first of the design principles that Jesus has for the church. Um, so just, just going back then, um, what about the other thing that he said, that, that Jeremy said about design principles for his followers, uh, do unto others as you would have them to do, Matthew 7.1. Well, actually, he's quite right. And uh, is he right to tended to get lost in bureaucracy? Unfortunately, not all cases, but in many cases, yes. And the very last thing we have recorded in the Gospel of John, where Jesus is speaking to the disciples before he went to the cross, is John 17. I'm going to ask my two assistants to hand that out right now. And so just for clarity, uh, rather than me having to constantly refer to the screen, I'm going to give you a copy in front of you. And there should be enough for everybody. Uh, a copy in front of you so we can be referring to this passage. And this, uh, this passage in John 17, Jesus is about to go to, get to Gethsemane. He's about to go and give his life for us. And these are his final words to his disciples before he does that. His final words. And so we're kind of important because of that. It's, we would pay attention to that. And what he's doing, he's laying out for them his plan for what their life should be like. So uh, let's just read these together. I'm going to read uh, verse 14 to, to 16 right now. I have given them your word. And he's praying. This is a prayer. Praying to the Father. And the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. So uh, this is the first thing that Jesus says in this, these design principles. Um, what do we get from these verses? Can you tell me? What, what do these say to you about the Christian life? Okay, let me ask something more specific. Um, uh, what would it look like if we were to ignore the second part of this uh, um, being in the world and we were just to sorry we, yeah we would we would ignore the part about being in the world and just focus on the fact that we are uh, that we're Christians but we're not of we're not part of the world we're Christians but we're not part of the world what would what would Christianity look like yeah we would be exclusive We'd be our own communities, didn't interact with everybody, maybe wear our own special clothing, or eat our own food, and live lives that are different. We would be an, an isolated group of people uh, if we were to do this. Now, what would it be? Let's turn it the other way around. What if we, uh, we were just completely in the world and of the world? What would Christians look like? The same as everyone else. Has that ever happened? 
Well, yes, it does. So both of these extremes happen. So this is a very, very important design principle that Jesus has for us. To start off with, we are involved in our cultures. We're connected with it. We're living with people. We are to be embracing the communities we're in, yet we are to be different. So this is a pretty radical principle that we're called to right to start with, even if it might involve hatred, because it starts off saying the world has hated them. Um, just because they, just as they hated Jesus. So here then is our first principle. And I'm going to, uh, um, we do not belong to the world just as Jesus does not belong to the world, but we are to live as part of the world. Uh, so Jesus designed for the Christian life, one, believe and be baptized, live as part of the world, yet be clearly different to it. So the next point we're going to look at, principle B. Let's read verses 17 through 19. Make them dedicated to you. Um, now I've put the word, I've, the, the word in the, often translated holy, but you have to understand that holy, um, we can really often misunderstand what that word means and think it just means not doing bad things. Holy is a very positive word that means committed to something totally. And uh, here it says, so I'm translating it here, make them dedicated to you, as being a better translation of the word holy. Make them dedicated to you in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world, and I dedicated myself on their behalf, so they too may be dedicated in truth. Anything we can get from there, any principles we can get from there. Commitment, okay, a very high level of commitment. What else? Well, I'm going to say sending. Like Jesus says, just like uh, I've been sent, they have been sent. And so there's something um, I think very, very key here. We are sent into the world just as Jesus was. Um, Just as Jesus was dedicated to this task, so are we to be. And then the second point, you notice truth is mentioned there. Three times I've underlined it. And this seems to be very closely connected with the other idea. And so this this um, being sent, this dedication, seems to be connected to the truth, which, of course, is the scriptures. So it's by means of the truth that we are able to do this. So um, why was Jesus sent to the earth? What was the point of him being sent? He was sent, of course, to save us, and as a revelation of God. He was, he was to bring us a revelation of God and God's love, in, in spe- specifically to bring hope, reconciliation, eternal life. Um, and what does it mean that Jesus was dedicated to this task? It meant that his life was focused on, on doing this. It means that he didn't um, decide he was going to do something else off the, on the side. You know, he was going to come and save us, but he's going to maybe start a business and do this and do a few other things as well. Um, he was, his life was focused on the goal that he had. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that we don't do lots of things in our lives, and we can, you can, our lives can be quite complicated, but the whole purpose of everything that we do when it comes together is to be focused, is to be dedicated on representing God to this world. That is why we're here. 
it's great to do fun stuff, and of course, we need to do fun stuff to be balanced, to be, we need recreation to live. Jesus said to his disciples, let's come aside for a while and rest. It's important to do that. But that, the purpose of that is so that we can accomplish our main goal to be focused, to be dedicated, just as Jesus was dedicated on this main goal. So, um, what does this mean uh, that we're continuing the work of Jesus? We are the embodiment as believers of the love of God on this earth, as the, the representation of God on this earth. So that leads us to one last question on this, in this section. How does truth help us? How, does it, how is it relevant to this purpose? Um, it says here, uh, make them dedicated to you in the truth. Your word is truth. And then the, at the end of verse 19, they may be dedicated in truth. Can somebody tell me how truth fits in with this process of us being dedicated and us being sent? How does that fit in? Well, I would suggest that if we're here to represent God, we need to know something about him. Like We need to know who he is. And the, the word of God, the scriptures, actually give us the content of what we're doing. We're here. To, we're sent to bring God, represent God to this world. The truth tells us who God is so we can accurately show who he is to the world. They can get an accurate knowledge of God through what he's given us. So this is one of the reasons the scripture is so important to us. If we um, if we're just making up our own idea about God and then showing that to the world, it could be anything. We could, we could be very unhelpful in the ideas that we have. But, but the truth is able to focus in our presentation of God to this world. So I want to move, uh, move on then to oh, and one other thing on this. One very important thing on this is that... Um, um, if we look at what is said here, um, the, the truth here is a, a process that is through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus doesn't specifically mention the truth in this passage, sorry, the Spirit in this passage. But you look at a few chapters earlier, Jesus says it is actually the Spirit who brings us truth. That he is the spirit of truth, he's called. And so this, this, uh, this passage here, this, the bit about the truth, you have to read in there that this is through the spirit. And we'll, there's another reference we'll come to in a moment from the spirit. But this is the spirit of truth who's enabling us to do this. Um, so let's just go back to where we've got to now in our design principles. Believe and be baptized. That's how we come in to the life. Live as part of the world, yet be clearly different to it. We are sent to represent Jesus to the world, to be 100% dedicated to this task. And then we cannot do this without being transformed by God's truth, which is given to us in the Bible. Jesus is actually accomplishing a lot in these few, these few verses. It's quite amazing what he's giving us in this roadmap of the Christian life. So our purpose then, to represent Jesus, we focus on doing this, and the truth being so important in enabling us to do this. So, the next part, part C. 
verse 20 to 22. I'm not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony. In other words, that's us. That they will all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. And then the same kind of ideas repeated again with different words. The glory you gave to me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one, so that the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them just as you have loved me. Uh, this is like pretty unambiguous, isn't it? You can't accuse Jesus of like being vague here. Very, very specific. But it's not just specific, it's extraordinary extraordinary that he's praying for a kind of unity amongst us that exists in the Trinity. The, the God, Father, Son, and Spirit, they are one. They're, they're one, you know, one uh, God in three persons. That level of unity, wow, this is extraordinary. And this unity that we have together should be the main testimony to the world that this is supernatural. They'll look at us and say, wow, those people, that's a unity that can only be supernatural. This must be God. Are we there yet? I don't think we're there, but this is the design. It's there pretty clearly here in the scriptures. This is the design that God has for us. Let's just uh, summarize that. The goal is that the world will believe our testimony that is that Jesus is from God. They will believe this when they see supernatural love and unity between us. This was the point that the video I showed you to start with was alluding to. Um, has the church always made this a principle? Unfortunately not. Unfortunately, the church has failed very often in this but nevertheless, it is something that we should not give up. We should, we should put more and more energy into striving for this. Why is this supernatural, though? What, why, why can't we do this without God's supernatural power? Surely people can love each other. Uh, the difference, I believe, is that people can often love those who they would naturally be connected with, their family members or their community members, those in the same social group. But what's radical about the church is that we're from every nationality, every culture, every tribe and tongue. And also what's different is that economically we're from the richest to the poorest. And naturally that does not make sense to the world. Um, everyone believes that love is a good thing. You won't find any disagreement about this. So what does it, what, what difference does it make that Jesus has put this as one of the fundamental principles? What, because every, we all agree with that anyway. What difference should this make to us that it's here right in the center of this passage? Can you suggest how we should react to this? Do you think maybe we haven't given it enough of, of an importance? We've given other things in church life more importance. 
we focused on maybe some external things or some, some sort of little things that divide us, and we've not given it the importance that Jesus has given it. And I just want to call us to give attention to this because I think we've fallen down on this. So just to, to come back to our list that we're building, believe and be baptized, beginning the Christian life, living as part of the world, yet clearly being different to it, Sending, being sent to represent Jesus to the world, being 100% dedicated to this. And now you're beginning to see how these fit together because this is building up to being transformed by his truth and then our love and unity. Because point three is representing Jesus to the world. So this is point five. We do it by this love and unity. Point two, being different to the world. Point five then brings this into closer perspective. It's seeing our love and unity that is different. So this is how the world learns of God's love. And then six, this is only possible by the life of Jesus in us through the Spirit. And as I just said just now, although this, this, the word Holy Spirit isn't used in this passage, it's very clearly there because he's referring to we being in you. Um, he says in... Um, um, verse uh, 21 you father are in me and I am you I pray that they will be in us and then verse 22 just as we are one I in them and you in me that they may be completely one and we know that that Jesus said I will come and be with you through the spirit the spirit is Jesus living in us he is the one who, who brings he is a separate entity but he is the one who gives us an experience of Jesus within us so what is Jesus is saying here is that it's only by his power in us it's only by his life in us which is through the spirit that we can do this that is the only way that point six here in Jesus' design can be brought about through his spirit in us. Okay, so some people uh, might ask, well, why doesn't Jesus refer to the church here? Because this is obviously about the church and loving. Well, the church wasn't formally begun until Pentecost. And so Jesus doesn't tend to use the word church. He tended to use the word kingdom. But at Pentecost, the church was born. Um, but this is clearly what he's referring to. Um, the last part, principle D, let's read, read these last verses. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even if the world does not know you, I know you. And these men know that you sent me. I made known your name to them, and I will continually to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with, with may be in them, and I may be in them. And so we see Jesus' goal then is that we will be with him, verse 25, that we will be where he is. And I'm going to summarize that um, this love as a secondary purpose, the purpose is our destiny united with Jesus Christ. Our destiny united with Jesus Christ. And this is the ultimate design goal for the church. So if you look at the final step is that we are the bride of Jesus Christ. 
We are his companion. Uh, the, uh, God is forming his character within us so that we will be companions fit to live with him for eternity. So I'm going to just bring all these things together now. Um, as we said before, believe and be baptized. Part of the world, but different to it. Representing Jesus to the world. We cannot do this without being transformed by God's truth. The world learns of God's love by seeing our love and unity. It's only possible by the life of Jesus in us. And then the last one, our destiny with Jesus at his side forever. Some ideas of Christianity is that we're kind of vaguely on a cloud playing a harp. Jesus said, no, I want you with me. We're his companions. I believe there will be all kinds of projects that Jesus has, maybe creating worlds, doing things, and those things he wants us with him, at his side. In Revelation, it talks about us sitting on his throne and ruling with him. And so our destiny is to be filled with all the fullness of God, as, as it says earlier on in Ephesians. This is our destiny. Um, You'll notice the sheet that I've handed out to you then goes into Ephesians 4. And I'm not going to expound this. We're just going to quickly read it together. But I put this in here because I want to show you that what we have here in John 17 is not some odd anomaly that I've just happened to pick up. But actually, Paul does the same thing in Ephesians. At the end of chapter 3, he prays a prayer very similar to Jesus' prayer just before John 17, and then launches into chapter 4 with words that sound very similar to design principles that we have here. Uh, Let's just read these verses at the bottom of your sheet from Ephesians 4. I therefore encourage you, I, the prisoner of the Lord, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So the same thing about being focused, you know, being, being committed 100%. Uh, with all lowliness and gentleness, with all long-suffering, bearing one another in love. And here's the whole unity thing again. Striving to preserve the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. One body, one Spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all things. And then we skip to verse 13, until we all arrive, and here we have the the destiny at the end, at the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, at the complete, that's that's complete in the sense of mature and perfected, at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I put this at the end to show you a parallel passage, same idea, same start, same middle, of love, same destiny, it's there. So I want to call you, first of all, I want to call you, have you begun this? Have you believed? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Is his life in you? Because if not, then none of this is relevant to you. But this is the call that Jesus has. Follow me. He says, follow me and I will give you this incredible destiny. So I want to, I want to challenge you. Are you part of this? Is this your destiny? And if not, cry to Jesus and ask him, please give me your life. 
And if you have believed, but you've not been baptized, this is Jesus' command. This is part of his plan for you. Um, I want to call on all of you. Are you living focused in your life, in the world, but not of it? Like, are you different? Do people around you know there's something different about you? Are you, are you uh, committed 100% to representing God to you in your life? God to this world in your life? Are you taking seriously this stuff about love, which is there? Are, is, that, is that really where, where your life focus is? I want to challenge you to think through your life and to say, is this where I am going and my life is clearly uh, following the plan that Jesus has for it? And challenge yourself with that because Jesus is very clear about what he wants us to be doing. And following this is the route to joy. Following this is the route to hope. Following this is the route to abundant life in him. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. And uh, while they're coming up, I'd like just to lead us in a prayer for this, that each of us will examine our lives under with these categories that we've been given here, examine our lives and ask Jesus for the power of his life in us to bring us into that in our lives. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us this clear roadmap for our lives. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit will be in us, the spirit of Jesus Christ making us 100% committed to showing your love to this world. So people will look at us and say, that man or woman is different. And through our life, through your life, through us, they will see your love for this world. And Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, set our joy on you and our faith that one day we will be with you for eternity. Father, we pray that you will transform us with your love. And as, you, as we are in you and you are in us, we will reflect Jesus to this world. We pray this. We cry this to you, Lord. We confess that we've not lived how we should in this way. And we cry to you that your power within us will, will, will bring this life about in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.